TBN Network. Browns fans talking to Browns fans. I don't know yet, but I'm excited. The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Yes! Yes! Yes, 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 indeed. Welcome to Easy Does It. My name is Easy Weave here on the DVN Network. And as you uh, heard from the uh, show open, a jubilant mood here post-draft, most important draft of our lifetimes, 2018. And I may have to drop the yearly uh, reminder on that when I do this next year because if uh, all works out, this last draft that we just went through really was the most important because it uh, potentially landed the one position that has been so elusive to us low these last, uh, well, even 19 years that we've been back in the league since 1999, but even going back before then, um, Vinny Testaverde was a quarterback in 1995, but it was a it was an issue um, for the final couple of years before, you know, between him and Bernie and all that. Not, not getting into all that today. Point is, we got our quarterback. We got a guy. At least we've got a guy that we are going to go all in on in the person of Baker Mayfield from the University of Oklahoma. And before getting into all that, I want to thank everybody that both participated in and listened to the most important draft of our lifetime 2018 coverage here on the DBN Network. It started on Thursday night, went into Friday night, and on Friday night, unfortunately, experienced some fairly catastrophic um, uh, system failure, which unfortunately precluded our ability to broadcast on that Saturday. And I'm still, you know, kind of dealing with it here, but you know, I'm, I'm able to uh, at least get enough done where i can um, talk to you here today and uh put that up on the uh, the, the the podcast for um, for consumption and so uh with, even with that in mind i still appreciate all of the kind words and um and the efforts from everybody that was involved uh fourth was was with me for a large part of it uh Thelonious on that first night i mean the guy was just an absolute trooper was with us throughout and i can't say enough about him and uh, matt Mramer was uh, with us matt wood we had darth batman was along with us for the entire time and contributions manly and loving it you know came out of nowhere and was with us for so i mean great stuff you can listen to the first day uh on the the page if you want to um uh re recite any of it relive any of it and especially the uh, the clip that you know played at the outset of this the the mayfield selection clip is one that you can hear at the end of hour four if you are so inclined so you have the build up and then you have the selection and then after that i gotta be honest i mean i I was definitely paying attention to the draft but it was really like a different feeling i don't know about you um and especially i'm sure it was a different perspective for those people that were not all in on baker mayfield as i absolutely 100 was baker was my guy going all the way back to um i I want to say probably about october you know definitely by november um i was i was all in on this on this kid and i never really changed and and it's not to say that um you know i picked the guy and and i i I wouldn't it it wasn't like moving off of the spot with him had to do with uh, loyalty as much as it was there just was none of the other quarterback prospects that showed me enough on tape and with everything else that happened throughout the draft process to say that they were better a better pro prospect than was Baker Mayfield I didn't start that way 
Um, but but as I say, uh, I don't know if, if you feel this like this, but I kind of almost feel like a giant weight has been lifted off of, of my shoulders, it, which I wasn't even aware that it was there. It's just kind of a subliminal you know thing. Um, but but that's really how it's felt since since the draft happened. It was like, all right, I, I, I no longer feel uh, this. I don't know this this haunting, hulking doom that that just kind of is is a pall that hangs over the franchise. I really feel like a lot of that got wiped out, uh, and and that's because I am all in on Baker Mayfield. I was before the draft and of course I was I was very effusive about this, but I was also not convinced. In fact, I was very convinced that we were not going to draft him. I thought that the Browns were going to go in a different direction. I actually thought that and and probably it had to do with as much as anything just with the the negative um that we we always do everything wrong. I, I mean, Baker Mayfield is not the first quarterback that I've you know gone into a draft process where I say I would love to draft that guy with our top pick. And then we pass on uh, usually on those guys. But I've never been as all in on a prospect as I was on Baker Mayfield. I've never been as convinced that the guy was going to succeed in the NFL as I am and was that Baker Mayfield will. And so to me, the guy that looks like the obvious best choice uh, and we're in a position to take that guy. It's my Browns, so there's no chance that they're going to actually do the right thing. And they did. Kudos to John Dorsey. Uh, kudos to, I, to whatever extent he was involved, Hugh Jackson. And I have to imagine, I mean, if you listen to the public posturing, these guys were joined at the hip on this decision. I don't know how much of that I buy, but whatever. It's what it is. And with, with, right now, the entire organization is full-throated, full-bodied behind Baker Mayfield as the franchise quarterback moving forward. Even if there's uh, some doubt, and for some people it's they think that I'm going in the opposite direction on this, there's some doubt that he's going to be the starter. I think that people would say, no, no, it's, he's, he's definitely not going to be the starter easy. You heard what Hugh said, didn't you? Yeah. Yeah, I heard what Hugh said, and my prediction that he will be the starter on opening day remains that it, it didn't it didn't move me before the the uh, draft when we trade when we acquired Tyrod Taylor, who I think is fine. I mean, he's a, he's a, probably one of the better uh, bridge if you want to look at it that way bridge prospects that we've we've had here. I mean, he's he, as far as these uh, swinging you know what's go that get brought into the to the organization to try to to be the fixer. You know, Brian Hoyer and Jake Delhomme and Josh McCown and whoever else over the years, Jeff Garcia, you know, I mean, Tyrod Taylor is, you know, he's, he's definitely at the upper end of those things. But, you know, here's the thing about quarterbacks. If they're any good and they've been in the league for a while, then the team that they've been good for is not going to let him go. And the Bills let this guy go and replaced him with the combination of A.J. McCarron and Josh Allen. Now, you might say, okay, well, Buffalo's just not very wise, and I don't really have a whole lot to come back at, the, at you with because, you know, it would, it would certainly stand to reason. And I got no beef with the Bills. In fact, of all the uh, the AFC teams out there, I kind of I root for the Bills. Um, but I think that the – and honestly, when it comes to that whole situation in the AFC East, I think that what you're going to end up seeing over the next couple of years is uh, the Jets really coming out as the powerhouse when the Patriots kind of slink back into – uh, mortality, as it were, when Tom Brady finally you know, rides off into the sunset. Um, the Jets are very well positioned with uh, with the moves that they've made. They've got a good coach in place. But anyway, um, not really getting into a team by team breakdown. Just an observation. You know, back at the beginning of this process, when I first looked at Lamar Jackson, he was really the first guy when I sat down to review film. And and you know, when does that happen? For me, it, it's it's you know when you get to a point where the season that you are currently in, you realize it's it's just no no use in getting any hope up or any um, it really having any excitement for the season. Of course, twenty seventeen, the first you know win 
winless season in the team's history. Uh, you know, people were giving up on it even earlier than usual, and for good reason. I think for me, it was the benching of Kaiser. I think it was in the Jets game where I realized that that all of this was was basically for nothing, at least last year. And I think it was around that time that I started looking really in earnest at the draft process. You know, getting underway. And for me, it's about you know looking at tape first, and then once you kind of go through the tape, then you go through and you find out about the players, you know, individually and and kind of the quirkiness of their character character and whatever uh, and then you kind of look at the stats after that and the combine happens and you've got the other thing the pro days the senior bowl all that stuff that kind of you know happens in progression but for me and for a lot of people it started way early this year so I started with a guy that I kind of knew something about I had watched Lamar Jackson probably more than any of the other prospects that were uh, eligible and that were going to be in contention and so I watched Jackson and I came away blown away I'm thinking this guy is like he's he's like Michael Vick except for he He's not, he doesn't have the the handicap of being left-handed, which, look, it's what it is. Vic is the exception because he had a cannon for his left arm. But look at anybody that's left-handed. They don't typically tend to do well in the NFL. I'm just saying. And that's not the – I didn't even mean to, to get down on that. I'm just saying if you go back and look through the annals of the NFL, like who right now is a left-handed quarterback in the NFL that's good? No, I'll wait. Think, who, who is out there that's good right now that's in the NFL – uh, and, and even if you go back further than that, Steve Young really is the only one that you look at and say there was a truly great quarterback that was a lefty. Boomer Esiason, yeah, yeah, whatever. But I'm, I'm not getting caught off on lefties. I'm just saying that, okay, you've got a guy that's got the same skill set as Vic, but he's throwing with the right arm. Um, and you look at the way that he passes, his actual passing mechanics from the pocket, he's a much more polished passer than Michael Vick was. Lamar Jackson was a great quarterback prospect with, without even considering what he could do with his legs. But when you throw the athleticism into the mix, I, was, I came away from, okay, this guy's going to be the first pick in the draft, and we're going to be the ones to take him. And it was Bizono, the guy who he's not around a whole lot these days. He's a busy guy, but he's you know, he's around and he's a sharp guy. And he kind of heard me going down the trail of Lamar, and he was like, "Hey, you need to take a look at Baker Mayfield before you get settled in here," because he kind of knows me. You know, you know, he knows that I get stuck on things, and before I start trumpeting it from the mountaintops, take a look at this kid Mayfield. So I did. And I put on the Auburn game. And the Auburn game, which is the Sugar Bowl from uh, the end of the 2016 season. And I put it on there, and it was maybe 30 seconds into the game where I saw my first wow throw. And I don't mean wow throw like a lot of people think of it with like Josh Allen where, oh, wow, look at that guy's arm. Yeah, it's solid arm strength. There's there's never really been a question about that with Mayfield, except for people that didn't watch him and just assume that he doesn't have a strong arm. Some of the things that were said about Mayfield during this draft process, and I'm not even talking about by the the, the, the chuckleheads that, that the populate the the blogosphere i'm talking about people that are supposed to be reporters just flat out i would watch the things that they would write about this guy and I'd say, did you even watch him play did you even like watch any oklahoma football in 20s in, in any of the last three years because the stuff that you're writing is as if you didn't and i'm not i don't mean to be flippant or disrespectful i'm just saying i literally don't think that these people even watch this guy because they were operating off of a bunch of assumptions that when you put the tape on just were not true but when i say wow throw I'm I'm talking about it was, you know, over defenders, underneath, right, you know, right on the dot, and, and being able to do the things that quarterbacks need to do to be successful in the NFL, and that is making smart, quick decisions from the pocket and sharp 
accurate throws. And that's what this guy, if you watch this guy's tape, he's doing it all over the place all the time. Uh, and that's that, that was very encouraging to me. And the more tape that I watched, I mean, before it was all said and done, I ended up watching every game that he had in 2016 and 2017. And I came away thinking, this is the best quarterback prospect I've probably ever seen in the ways that are important. in the way Because it, with the quarterback position, you need to have enough um, athletic ability, physical talent in order to get the job done. Typically, what really people are talking about is arm strength. You have to be a certain height uh, to be in that classification. You have to have a certain amount of arm strength, and you have to have a certain amount of, of athleticism in the sense that you can move around. Well, Baker's got all the arm strength that you could want. He's got all the athleticism that you could want. Does he have all the height that you can want? No. The fact that he is six foot and, you know, like six foot and a half, uh, it was enough to get people thinking that he's basically disqualified because of his height. And I'm thinking to myself, what sort of lame brain do you have to be to disqualify a kid that can do absolutely everything else and do it better than everybody else in the class? Again, my interpretation, my evaluation after watching all of these guys, you know, that was that that was the conclusion that I came to. And I'm, I'm just thinking, how how in the world? Do you discount a player simply because he's he's two inches shorter than all of the guys that basically everybody else in this class except for Allen is right in that same range? Uh, but Baker's going to be disqualified because he's he's six foot, I think five eights or whatever it is. No, I'm not. Bi- so I'm saying once you get past kind of that the physical uh, weigh in that you have to be at that point, whether or not a guy is going to be successful or not has everything to do with what's between the ears. And this kid Mayfield has got it between the ears. You just watch the way that he's able to read defenses. You watch the way that he's able to react to what they're doing and make qu- I mean split second snap decisions that are the right decisions and then throws that are on the money consistently is he perfect no nobody's perfect and does does he have areas to improve not only does he have areas to improve in but this is another thing that i think has just become a a a trope over the last couple of months that while darnold and rosen and even jackson and even allen especially allen because he doesn't have a whole lot of of of, uh you know bottom line potential right now uh, that they were guys that were just considered and just assumed and presumed, well, this guy is going to, you know, he may not be where Mayfield's at right now, but he's going to develop. And when he does, boy, he's going to be so much better than what Mayfield projects to be. And I'm thinking, okay, what you're saying is that at some point you project him to be better than Mayfield already is right now. That's what people were saying without actually saying it. But it's also to say that Mayfield is never going to get any better than he already is, which is just absurd to me. How is it that you see a guy that is advanced to this level in the college game and played college of football at a quarterback at the college level at a more prolific level than anybody ever has and how are you going to say that that guy can't improve the one area that i think he can improve on just you know just going down the list uh, you know this wonky delivery thing that he does on the long ball and he's still fairly accurate on the long ball but it does hang on him a little bit it's not a function of arm strength it's just a, it probably has to do with this this weirdo wind-up thing that he does and it, it, that's one of those things that okay if he gets that fixed like, what else is the problem? Because the guy navigates the pocket like a boss. He's able to read defenses already. He's got, like I say, plenty of the arm strength. He's got plenty of the mobility. I mean, there's just, from a from a pro... So I'm, I'm, I'm looking at all of this. I'm watching all of this. And then I see this whole draft season go the way it goes. And I gotta be honest with you, I bought it. I bought into the idea that, yeah, um, just because I'm seeing what I'm seeing doesn't mean that everybody else is seeing... And, and I thought it's gonna be Josh Allen or, you know, it was gonna be Sam Darnold. And those were kind of the two bottom guys for me. As uh, this whole draft process, went, which is, look, at, not to say that I wouldn't like either one of those two gentlemen. Either Josh Rosen or Sam Darnold would have been 
fine. If that, in a normal year, like if either one of those guys would have been available last year and we would have drafted one of those guys instead of Garrett, um, I, I really wouldn't have been all that upset about that. I was on record last year as being very willing to draft either Mitch Trubisky or Pat Mahomes. I was good with either of those guys, and I would have taken either one of those guys over Miles Garrett because that's how important. Doesn't have anything to, that doesn't have anything to do with Miles Garrett. I love St. Miles. I love me some St. Miles. And I'm very, very happy that he's on the team, especially now today, uh, because, you know, he's on the team and we've got a quarterback. But that just goes to show how, how, how much more important I consider the quarterback position to be, even uh, in the face of having to trade out a perennial uh, potential anyway, perennial uh, <clears throat> generational style pass rusher, which I think that Miles Garrett will end up becoming. Uh, but it, as I say, it's just the, the importance of, of the position. So if it's Allen and Darnold available last year, then I would have been happy with either of those guys. But I just had them much lower. I had Mayfield number one. I had Lamar Jackson and Josh Rosen essentially tied with maybe Jackson at 2A and, and um, uh, Rosen at 2B. And then Darnold at the fourth one and, and Allen fifth. As it turned out, it was... It, it, it didn't go that way at all. I, I was right on the first one. We drafted Mayfield. And then the Jets at number three. The Giants amazingly pass up on a quarterback to take Saquon Barkley in a move that I think will definitely um, not work down to their ultimate benefit long term. But, you know, time will tell. Which is not a a uh, 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 any any sort of a you know knock on on uh, Barkley, although I, my problems with him are well documented. I'm just thinking that from an organizational standpoint, it's the same thing. Barkley may be a fine player, but if even if he's Jim Brown, which he won't be, but even if he's that level of player, is that more important than getting your your franchise quarterback of the future when Eli is 37 years old? But hey, that's their problem. They can deal with it. The Jets are not going to deal with it. They took their guy, and that was Sam Darnold at number three. He was the second one to go, and then there wasn't a quarterback taken again until seven when the Bucks traded down with Buffalo, who moved up to take Allen. So we had three quarterbacks go before Josh Rosen, which is something that OCBB predicted would happen, and I have to give him props for that because he did. He was he was very unabashed about it, doubled and tripled down on it, and he was right. Rosen ends up going to the Cardinals, who you know from from their point of view have got to be thrilled to be able to get a guy of that caliber. And then Jackson slides all the way to thirty two, where the Ravens of all teams pick him up. And I'm definitely not happy about that because I still think that Jackson is, uh, is is a quality prospect. And of all the places for him to go, that was definitely not you know I, I, I would have preferred more than anything for him not to go there. But it's what it is. So now I hope that all the things that people assumed about him. Are turn out to be right, and I turn out to be wrong. Uh, but, you know, time will tell. But I have no doubt that we got the best guy that was available for us, for us at the top of the draft. You know, John Dorsey talked about this in the post-presser uh, uh, about all of this with respect to uh, Mayfield being the best guy for us at quarterback and Ward being the best guy for us at the cornerback position. He, they were the, he was the, they were the best players for us that were available, for us that were available. Maybe they weren't the best overall players. Maybe Quentin, Quentin Nelson might have been the best player in the entire draft, but he wasn't the best player for us. And pick whoever else that you're thinking of. The best two players for us, I believe, and, and John Dorsey as much as said this, were the two guys that we selected at one and four. Mayfield now is going to be the, uh, the quarterback of the future. He's going to be the franchise guy. And this is not the same type of, of deal that it has been in the past with you know Whedon or Manziel or uh, Brady Quinn in the sense that you know we drafted this guy number one overall.
overall. We drafted all of those guys at number 22 overall. There's just there's a difference. There's a difference. And I mean, look, there's still a uh, an association between the general managers and the coaches and so forth, the staff that brings in a guy if it's in the first round. You know, you're still accountable to the to those players, uh, for those players, I should say. And and in those in each one of those cases, the failure of the front offices in each uh, of those circumstances did lead to the 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 you know they they were penalized for it. But there's there's not really the same amount of commitment when you're drafting a guy at 22 in the sense that this is definitely going to be our guy. And often, and the way it manifested itself with us is that those players would be brought in, those quarterbacks were brought in, and there wasn't really a guarantee that they would start right away. In Quinn's case, he missed his entire rookie season because uh, all of a sudden Derek Anderson just played out of his mind, which was not expected by anybody. In the case of Whedon, he really shouldn't have started right away, and we had a, a, you know, a decent young quarterback that was already on the roster but we decided to discard that option and go with uh, Weeds for his entire rookie year. And then in the case of Manziel, he just was totally not ready. Uh, and so I'm saying in each one of those those cases, it was unique. And uh, you know they, they had their own um, lifespans and everything, but none of them were the first pick or even a top five pick for which the entire organization must be on board. You can almost look at a quarterback taken at number 22 as a, as a wild card almost. Because if he really was franchise caliber, the guy's probably not making it to 22. Not saying that there aren't exceptions. Aaron Rodgers was, you know, was a guy that slid. Uh, I forget exactly the position that he was drafted in, but it was pretty close to, to that. And there are other guys that you can you can mention. Russell Wilson lasted all the way to the third round. I, I, but I would say that those guys typically are outliers. Aaron Rodgers was a guy that was in conversation as being the top quarterback in that class. Him and amazingly, him and Alex Smith were the two quarterbacks that you know were, people were kind of volleying back and forth on. You know what, who should have been one, and, and a lot of people thought it was going to be one two, or that that Rodgers could go first overall, um, and then he ended up sliding. And so it wasn't in his case. And, and the same thing is true with Quinn. Don't, don't get me wrong here. But I'm saying that Rodgers was kind of an outlier in both cases. A guy like him really shouldn't have slid. And uh, then when he does go somewhere, he doesn't have to start right away. So it really, well, all that to say that if you take a quarterback in later rounds, there just isn't the same amount of organizational commitment to that guy. And now we have done that. We have we have committed our organization to a future that involves Baker Mayfield being the the signal caller and I know that Tyrod Taylor is on the roster and I know what Hugh Jackson has said but I'm just I'm just sticking with it the guy when it all is said and done the 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 guy that's going to be holding the clipboard on the sideline is going to be Taylor and the guy that's going to be running the offense on the the field is going to be Mayfield and I believe that this has to do with the fact that this guy is going to be able to come in learn the playbook way faster than anybody realizes or is expecting he's going to come in and command both respect and authority from his teammates in a way that nobody is expecting and we're going to get reports as you know OTAs happen and we get into the first couple weeks of training camp where it's like wow we're really surprised at just how how seamlessly this is happening and that's all going to be part of the narrative that leads to and even if Tyrod is the opener for the first preseason game at some point in there the guy's going to get on the field and the clamoring will begin I'm just saying here right now today I'm sticking with it 100% that Mayfield will be the starter on opening day even if he's not and whoever it is that was that was going to be our quarterback selected with the first overall or whenever we would have selected one in a a theoretical um, you know alternate universe that guy was going to play too. There, there was no. 
there there was never a possibility that Tyrod Taylor was going to go in and start every game this year. And I realize I'm saying all this in the past tense as, as if it's already a fait accompli, because I believe it kind of already is. The guy is, he's going to come in and he's going to get a lot of snaps early on in the process. But even if he were to start... We haven't had a guy start every game since 2001. Last year was the closest we've gotten to it in forever because Deshaun Kaiser, and Kaiser could have started every game except for Hugh Jackson doing the, the idiotic move of putting um, of you know Kevin Hogan in for the one game against uh, uh, Houston, which just it, total head-scratcher there. But, I mean, and, and look, we still have Hugh Jackson as a coach, so we have that to contend with. But I'm, I'm looking, I, I'm choosing to kind of view that whole deal with... Uh, I don't know, rose-colored glasses. I'm, I'm kind of consciously, um, not withholding disbelief, but I'm consciously going into it with an attitude of, I feel pretty good about about the whole deal. I feel like with Hugh having less responsibilities, I, and I didn't think that it was going to happen, that he was going to relinquish, relinquish the play-calling duties. I must say, I was very um, effusive that I didn't think that would happen, and I turned out to be wrong about that, and I'm very happy that I'm wrong about that. It, and the fact that Hugh Jackson's not going to be calling plays... If that you know allows for him to get better at the whole kind of game management, game flows, you know, scenario, of, of, uh, then that's great. If that's what ends up happening, then awesome. Then I think that uh, it really could allow for a lot of the problems that we had last year, particularly on the offensive side of the ball, and especially when it comes to timeout usage at the end of of the half of the quarter or the uh, the half of the game. If that type of stuff can get shored up, right, that's a huge improvement right there. If you look at this team, we, there was like five or six games last year that we probably should have won. And the reason that we didn't win had to do with a lot of these managerial things and a very, very, very bad play at the, from the quarterback position from a rookie who has now been shipped off and isn't even going to be part of the conversation. Rightly or wrongly, there's no competition at all between Deshaun Kaiser and Baker Mayfield. This is going to be Baker Mayfield's team unless Tyrod Taylor is, you know, kind of keeping the seat warm for him. Or, if, I mean, I, and I do believe that they what they want is for it to be a, a paradigm where Tyrod is the starter, Stanton is the ba- Drew Stanton is the backup, and Mayfield is third string. I'm just telling you, it's not going to go down that way. First of all, there's no way that Drew Stanton is beating out Mayfield. But I'm saying that when it comes right down to it, he's going to end up um, impressing everybody, and he's going to win the job outright. Time will tell. And if you listen to the way, and maybe next week when uh, when we, and because I'm going to try to get back on a regular routine. Now I've got a bit of a pep in my step. I got to be honest with y'all. This whole thing, along with taking a weight off of my shoulders that I didn't even realize was there, kind of this virtual, uh, you know, just sense of, of uneasiness that I think probably is with I, it, uh, that's all gone now. I have I am totally on a uh, a much more positive kick about this entire organization, rightly or wrongly. I feel like we are finally moving in the right direction and i gotta give props to john dorsey john dorsey throughout this entire draft process really kept the cards close to the vest really did a great job of not showing his hand and it wasn't until that day it wasn't until thursday morning when the stuff really started coming in hot and heavy about uh, mayfield up until that point i mean it was it was all over the place we were definitely going to draft sam darnold we were definitely going to draft josh allen we were definitely going to draft whoever and Mayfield was always the guy that was never going to be in the conversation. And you had people – in fact, you had some people. There was the one – I'm not going to name his name. Um, but the the 
Cleveland radio personality doofus that uh, that and, and look at it, unless unless this was a preordained publicity stunt where he calculated even if they draft Mayfield this could work to my advantage and I'm I'm not I'm not granting the benefit of the doubt there I'm usually pretty good about granting the benefit of the doubt I just think that this was a guy that what if you don't know this is a guy a Cleveland radio dude that promised that if the Browns drafted uh, Baker Mayfield number one overall that he would eat a bag of horse manure and I, I I don't know if he's followed through on this because I haven't kept track of it but I can't imagine that he has uh, but like I say unless unless he likes eating horse manure and there are people out there I mean there are hockey players out there licking folks I mean there's people out there that may like uh, horse manure if if that is if, if that's what it was great but if, if it wasn't if if, it, if this was a guy that genuinely believed what he said and was sticking his neck out then oh my lord what what a a, a <clears throat> a a very um unwise fellow because honestly there was no wisdom whatsoever in believing what anybody had to say about any of these guys if you were going into this thinking that josh allen you'd bet the farm on josh allen being the number one pick how would you possibly know that the day of the draft there would be these reports coming out about all of his twitter activity back when he was 15 16 years old now maybe you knew about that but the point is is that there's stuff that happens even all the way up to the last day of the draft that you cannot account for. It's what I kept saying. Nobody knows anything. And you had people out there that were... And this happens every year. This is why the draft season is one of my favorites of, of the whole year. Because it, every year it's the same thing. you got people out there that are prognosticating, that are making these bold claims. And they make these assertions with an air of certitude as if to say that anybody that disagrees with this is, is stupid or is a rube or anything else. It's just the attitude. Not necessarily what is being said. But the way that a lot of these things like like i like i'm saying a guy that's like, oh yeah there's no way we draft if we draft baker mayfield i'll eat a bag of horse manure well have fun chowing down on that you idiot and you should have known better you should have known that this was a possibility and if you didn't know it's because you didn't watch tape honestly if you went through this whole process watch tape on baker mayfield and didn't at least consider that the browns might take this guy number one and i don't know what you were looking at i don't know what you could have possibly have been watching and i'm not saying that it was a total slam dunk there was a lot of things to like about sam darnold there's a lot of things to like about josh rosen there's a lot of things to like about josh allen really there is there are uh and and ditto i've already gone on about uh, lamar jackson there's a lot to like about all of these guys but come on there's so much to like about baker mayfield that if you're honestly examining this it shouldn't have been that big of a surprise to anybody and i can't say that i was really all that surprised as much as i was just elated as much as i was just so overcome with with joy and happiness and um just a a a sense of you know Finally, because I've been wanting the Browns to draft players, uh, you know, that I wanted forever, and they never, ever, ever do it. They, they, they never take the guys that I want, and I've never wanted a guy more than I wanted Baker Mayfield, and it was, it's never been even close like this for me. And so, for them to do it was just a, a huge emotional, um, plus, you know, intellectual. Just looking at it now, realizing that because we've got the quarterback slot in place, and let's take a look at the roster overall um, as, as we kind of uh, segue out of this conversation, because. I mean, as I'm saying, I'm just on cloud nine over this. I think Baker Mayfield has got the goods. I've got no. And by the way, I am somebody that was virulently anti Manziel. Not because 
um, I didn't like him. There was a lot of people that just flat out didn't like his personality and whatever. And I, I didn't actually have that big of a problem with that. I didn't know that he had the same um, addiction troubles that he obviously had. The, uh, the substance abuse issues that he's you know come out and uh, since then and, and uh, mentioned and claimed and he's not you know hiding from it or running away from it whatsoever but I, I, I didn't know any of that you know going into it but just looking at the style of play and the actual skill set I I was not at all on Manzel and I look at these two guys as totally 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 different guys they're different they, their style of play is different the offenses they ran are different the level of success that they had was were different and the level of quarterback NFL com- comparable quarterback Quarterback's traits are wildly different between the two. But as I'm saying, um, if you look at the rest of this roster right now, because there were other things that happened. The running back position. We signed Carlos Hyde. We already had Duke Johnson. And now we've drafted Nick Chubb, the running back out of Georgia. My, my, my dude, I'm telling you, or, or, or my chica, whoever's out there listening, I, this this running back position group that we have now is set. I mean, we have a much better, and, and hats off to uh, to uh, Dorsey on this. Good, good old meathead. He absolutely revamped the running back position. We are much better than we were at the end of the 2017 season, and I give props where they are due. And by the way, there's a running theme here that I'll uh, close this out with here uh, in a little bit. It'll be a little bit of abbreviated program here today because I have you know stuff that I'm doing, uh, but it's been a while since I've talked to y'all and I felt like it was important to get on here today and, and uh, yak at you for a little bit as we get back into the regular you know, routine. But you've, you give Dorsey credit where it's due when it comes to the running back position and I will also say to the wide receiver uh, core, if Josh Gordon works out, my friends, we don't have a problem with wide receivers anymore. We just don't because we uh, acquired Jarvis Landry, who's a bona fide, very good wide receiver, and we also locked him up for five years. So we've got a, I mean, a terrific tandem potentially of Gordon and um, Landry, and then you've got Corey Coleman, a first-round pick. Yeah, a lot of people are are down on him, but now he's essentially the third receiver in that group. If he comes anywhere near to his potential level, look out. And then we just draft a guy Antonio Callaway that has first round potential and yeah okay it may it may not work out because he's also got a lot of character issues but if the guy works out you're looking at a stacked wide receiver room there's every reason to be happy about that you move on to the tight end group and I mean this this was something all right I'm going to give Dorsey credit for for getting Mayfield and for uh you know the running back group and for showing up the wide receiver group Dorsey gets the credit there Sashi Brown gets credit for the tight end room we've got David and Joe We've got Seth the Valve. We uh, let the guy um, from Kansas City go, whose name escapes me. It'll come to me in a moment here. But uh, the other guy that we picked up was Darren Fells, kind of as a camp body. Well, not a camp body. He's, he's, but I'm saying he's, he's more roster filler. I don't see him being a major contributor, except maybe for, as extra protection on passing downs. Uh, but the tight end group is is also. I mean, there's the, the tight end group is solid. We don't have anything. There, there's not a need for an upgrade there. It's a good position group. You look at the offensive line. We drafted Austin Corbett with the 33rd overall. This guy is going to be our left tackle. That's there. There's just no doubt in my mind about this. We did not draft a guy at number 33, so that way he could either be a backup or move interior and then take a guy like Batonio, which is that's the other thing that could happen we could draft Corbett he could play at left guard and then we could move Batonio kick him out the left tackle I see that as less likely than Corbett just playing left tackle the position that he played at Nevada where Batonio played at that same position before him and the the physical profile between these two are, are, are like almost identical it's it's like they plucked a guy that can come into this situation start right away and playing right next to him is somebody that not only does he know but he trains with this guy 
guy. But Joel Batonio was something of a mentor to Austin Corbett already. If you didn't know that, that's a really good dynamic to be aware of as we kind of look at the way that this offensive line is being reshaped now with uh, the departure of the legendary GOAT first ballot Hall of Famer Joe Thomas. Uh, With Thomas now being gone, Corbett now will take over at the left tackle spot. Batonio... I think he was a Pro Bowl alternate last year at left guard. Yeah, J.C. Treader I thought was solid last year at center. Maybe even better than the guy that signed for a big contract, Kevin Zeitler. And then we just picked up Chris Hubbard from the Steelers in uh, the offseason to play right tackle. And even when you factor those guys in, you've got some pretty good depth with Sean Coleman, Rod Thompson, and Spencer Drango, among Austin Reeder and a couple of other guys, that, I mean, the offensive line is not only good, but it's deep. So the offensive side of the ball, now that we have a trigger man, now that we have a guy that can actually read defenses and make accurate throws, uh, there's no reason not to be wildly excited about this. And, And even more importantly, possibly, is that it's not Hugh Jackson calling plays it's a brand new offensive coordinator that's got success in the nfl that's going to be managing all of these nice pieces uh there's all sorts of reasons to be excited you move over to the defensive side of the ball and we did not really uh, address the interior uh so it looks like we're going to be continuing with the rotation of trevon coley larry Joby, and caleb brantley along with jamie meter to uh, kind of fill in the gaps and, and we have got a couple of undrafted uh, free agent guys but the one move that we made on the outside but it does kind of pertain to the inside. We drafted Chad White out of uh, Miami. And here's a... I'm sorry, uh, Thomas. Here's a guy that is going to... Uh, he, he plays defensive end almost like a linebacker because he was a linebacker before he was a defensive end. But he's big and strong enough to where he could also rotate on the inside. So it, to my mind, he kind of seems like a poor man's Bradley Chubb, but a guy that we were able to get at the end of the second round. And I'm, 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 pretty, um, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty happy with that. I don't have huge expectations. But when you look at, a, at an edge group that already has Miles Garrett and uh, Emmanuel Ogba, and now you add uh, this guy, and now you've also got uh, Nassib, who you know was nothing special, but as a rotational guy for depth, is you know looks a lot better. I don't think Nate Orchard makes this team, but the defensive line, when you look at the edge positions in the interior, that's way way better than what we've had in the past. That's a pretty solid unit. You look at the linebacker core now with Jamie Collins, Joe Schobert, and Christian Kirksey. Where's the weaknesses there? Those are three solid, potentially very very good players, and we added. Uh, another guy we added Avery to the mix and there there's a guy we plugged him out of the the, uh, fifth round and he's a guy that a lot of people had as a starter coming into the league at very least he's going to now come in and do some special teams work for us and could push uh for for a playing time if one of our guys goes down so I mean the linebacker core while a bit thin is pretty talented as well so now you move to the secondary probably the Achilles heel of the entire uh, organization at this point they dra- they they traded kaiser they brought in demarius randall who figures to be the starter at free safety and the safety position was easily the most well i believe it was easily the worst on our team all of last year so you've got that and then in addition to that the drafting of denzel ward and the addition of the the three cornerbacks tj carey terrence mitchell and ej uh, Gaines, all brought in to shore up what was a shaky cornerback group now they let jason mccordy go at the same time and we still had brian body calhoun jamar taylor who now figures to be uh trade fodder as well as the um the rookie from last year howard wilson who didn't even play so, you know, the, the cornerback uh, uh, position group, while certainly um, nothing for sure, not a sure thing, but I think you could say 
excuse me, you can think you could say that's a an upgraded position group from last year to this one. And then you look at safety, mentioned Randall, and a lot of it has to do with Jabril Peppers. If you think that Jabril Peppers, while not playing that angel position when he's closer to the line, can make more plays, then you know, then you have a completed uh, offense and defense right there. I'm skeptical, and and it still may be that the safety position is our Achilles' heel this year. But on balance, I look at that roster, and then you look at the the special teams. Gonzalez, I'm fine with him at kicker. Uh, Colquitt, he's a good punter. And Hewlett, do you even know anything about Charlie Hewlett? Have you even ever thought about Charlie Hewlett? Okay, that means he's a good long snapper because we don't even have to think about the long snap on any given uh, possession. It's just there. It's just it's just always good. So uh, from from the and now we could we definitely upgrade in the return game. We may have done that with Callaway. We may have done that with Landry. I mean, there are um, there are options on this team because I don't think that the main option should be or will be Jabril Peppers. He he kind of disappointed in that regard as well as uh, on the field at his given defensive position. But look, I'm not trying to uh, throw cold water. I like Jabril Peppers. I love Jabril Peppers. I would love Jabril Peppers to be a good player. I just need to see it, and I'm very skeptical. And this is out. This is outside of my my character. Typically, I am a three year rule guy, which is to say that I think that you should wait three years before making you know harsh determinations about any of these prospects. Um, I think that you're just better served to uh, wait a while and give it some time before. Um, and, and three years is my and I've gone over this in the past no reason to uh, rehash it right now but there are exceptions to the rule and I think that last year you could say that an exception to the rule is Miles Garrett's going to be a good player he showed that last year David Njoku is going to be a good player he showed that last year Peppers I think showed the opposite and it may be insurmountable it may not be I'm not saying it's a fait accompli but I am saying that um, if, if it's going to happen it's going to have to be a pretty drastic turnaround from what it was last year and it it could happen, you know. It, it wouldn't be the the first time, but um, I, I'm 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 just I'm skeptical. And of course, uh, if if that's not the case, then it'll be interesting to see if any of those new pieces that we added at the cornerback spot or people that we think are going to play cornerback might actually be people that you try out at uh, one, at the safety spot opposite Randall. Although we still have Derek Kindred on the roster, and that's you know that that's not nothing there. Uh, but look, at, I'm 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 seeing this roster. I'm seeing the way that this thing is put together, and I'm even holding out a benefit of the doubt that maybe Hugh Jackson, with not having um, the, the, the pall of you know, having to compete with Sashi Brown for Jimmy Haslam's sympathies, not that that's still not going on with Dorsey. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm investing quite a, I got to admit to you people, I'm investing some hope in Dorsey. I'm investing some hope that he's got the ability to kind of cull that whole thing together and that the, the most important move that he has ever made was the drafting of Baker Mayfield number one overall because if Mayfield is able to go in and play effective quarterback at the NFL level, well, then you know what? Um, the rest of this is just going to take care of itself. And on that, um, I enjoyed talking with you here. I'm going to get out of here. Like I say, abbreviated one this time, but I'll try to get back, get back at you next week. If you'd like to uh, complain, send me an email, easyweave at gmail.com. Or if you'd like to hand me um, your comments. And also, um, if you ever like want to ask me a question about something, hit me up, easyweave at gmail.com, and I will answer your question and do it in the next cast. How's that? Sometimes people do that, and um, I've never really made that offer. So, you know, there you go. Thank you all. I love being with you, uh, as always. Uh, I think there's good times ahead, and, um, you know, more more power to all of us. Uh, until next time, I am Easy Weave. This is Easy Does It on the DBN Network. Take care out there, y'all. Good luck. God bless. See ya. I don't know yet, but I'm excited. 2018 NFL Draft. 
The Cleveland Browns select Baker Mayfield. Yes! Yes! It is Baker Mayfield. Yes! Yes, yes. Hey, I'm Anil Dash, and I'm the host of a new show called Function from the Vox Media Podcast Network and Glitch. This season, we're talking with experts about why our voting machines are so bad and how that might hurt our elections. We'll also talk with an animator to find out how popular dances from the real world end up in video games. And we're going to tackle the biggest question in tech. Why do so many celebrities use screenshots from that Apple Notes app to make their public apologies when they screw up? You can find new episodes of Function every Monday on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And thanks to Microsoft Azure for sponsoring Function.